Hello and welcome to another episode of The Weekly Wrap. My name is Sundira Chesi and I'm here to tell you about the informative articles you can read in the 7 May issue of Farmers Weekly. This week's magazine includes features on how a farmer in the Western Cape is implementing biodynamic farming principles. We find out about the challenges facing South African crocodile farmers and we speak to a dragon fruit producer who shares his production methods and value added possibilities with this crop. Also in this issue look out for the article on breeding world champion Charolais and how Botswana can improve its agri trade balance with SA. Let's take a look at the main feature article. Dr. Rudolf Steiner was a scientist and philosopher and founder of the biodynamic approach to agriculture. In the 1920s he presented lectures to farmers that created awareness of the interconnectedness of the spiritual and physical world. Steiner was the first to view a farm as a holistic and self-sustaining organism that thrives through biodiversity, the integration of crops and livestock, and the creation of a closed-loop system of fertility. The idea being that nothing should go to waste on a farm. Aletta Fenter, a farmer near Wolseley in the Western Cape, believes in Steiner's biodynamic principles and has been implementing these practices since 2002. In 1995 when her dad bought the farm Hookie's Dam she realized that traditional commercial productive practices were not going to work for her she always felt that there was a more sustainable way of doing things in 1999 she and her late ex-husband Peter von Maltitz went overseas visiting and working at dairies in Ireland and New Zealand Fenter was impressed by a biodynamic dairy farm in New Zealand which operated in a totally different league in terms of animal welfare, food safety and social and, and environmental responsibility. Almost a decade before these issues became mainstream market concerns. She says the energy was amazing and instantly knew they'd found the missing ingredient. Upon her return from New Zealand, she started implementing these biodynamic principles while cultivating vegetables and herbs and farming dairy cattle sheep pigs and chicken she said she felt there was something missing having all this land and productive potential only to herself did not feel right and meaningful change could only be achieved if the skewed relationship between landowners and their workers was fixed fenter started looking at different collective farming models to create a fairer environment her path crossed that of thierry alban revert a macroeconomic strategist and founding member of Management Applied Green Initiatives and Concepts whom she married in 2017 Revert convinced her of the potential advantages of the cooperative system she then started sharing her idea of starting a cooperative with others and in July 2010 they registered the Africara Agroecology Cooperative starting out as 6 members and subsequently growing to 23 Pentheus dream is to see the government and more landowners to do the same with their land. I've had a long relationship with the Hookies Dam farm, but I've never owned the land. It has rather been the other way around with the land owning me, says Fenther. Crocodile farming is a lucrative niche market. However, local crocodile farmers have come under pressure due to an increase in international supply and the recent drop in demand caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Stefan van Us Chairperson of the South African Crocodile Industry Association discusses some of the challenges facing crocodile farmers 
and how farmers must adapt to survive. According to Fun Us, there are two prime products derived from commercial crocodile farming. First are the belly skins. These are predominantly used for belts, shoes, wallets and handbags. Second is crocodile meat, for which there is a local market. South Africa exports on average 68,000 skins per annum. This represents 28% of total Nile skins traded and 9% of total world classic skins traded. Top quality skins require high infrastructure investment and are expensive to produce. This is due to the strict temperature and biosecurity control, low stocking ratios, high protein diets and strict husbandry protocols essential to consistently deliver the required skin quality preferred by European luxury leather goods retailers. Currently, only about 15% of skins produced in South Africa meet the premium skin quality requirements, and only a few producers can achieve the sustainability criteria imposed by the luxury brands for their supply chains. On the other side of the spectrum is the high-volume, low-cost production model primarily aimed at Asian markets. Yields are lower and demand is inconsistent and price-dependent. There are significant price and demand differentials between the premier European market and the Asian lower-grade markets. Currently, non-premium grade leather prices are at levels where South African low-cost producers cannot compete with their Asian counterparts. According to Fun Us, crocodile farmers will need to better understand market dynamics and the skin and operational requirements of international buyers. Adherence to international best practices has now become a precondition of establishing business relationships. The next article we look at is Dragon Fruit. Dragon Fruit's peculiar appearance and exotic name are enough to make anyone take a second look. But beyond novelty appeal, the fruit holds considerable promise for South African producers, like it has done with Western Cape grower Lo DeVitt. DeVitt started experimenting with dragon fruit in 2015 after some of the business's farming sections were no longer that profitable. He says that in 2016, he started establishing the orchids by planting just under 50 dragon fruit cuttings in planting bags underneath a net structure behind his house. As the saplings grew, he transplanted them to bigger containers and in 2018, he started adding more cuttings. Initially, procuring dragon fruit cuttings locally, but eventually importing plant material from the Philippines. According to DeVet, the planting process is simple, but soil preparation is important as dragon fruit is quite adaptable to different soil types, from sandy to loamy soil. Dragon fruit is adaptable to different climatic conditions, but does not do well in frost or temperatures higher than 38 degrees Celsius. DeVet says one of his greatest challenges is to identify the best dragon fruit varieties in terms of the taste, internal quality, production, pollination, shelf life, and hardiness. With more than 200 varieties available worldwide, this is no small task. Another difficulty is the lack of a local industry body that can conduct trials and research. He hopes in the future he will be able to cover the entire value chain of dragon fruit. Now let's take a look at some of the top agri news. The South African Reserve Bank is concerned that the country's economic recovery could be K-shaped, a term used to describe an uneven rebound from a recession in which some sectors grow rapidly while others continue to struggle. 
The Reserve Bank's April 2021 Monetary Policy Review stated that unlike most previous recessions, the recovery from pandemic conditions is uneven across sectors, raising the spectra of a K-shaped recovery. According to Hugo Pinar, Chief Economist at the Bureau for Economic Research at Stellenbosch University, agriculture experienced an exceptional year in 2020, and this success was set to continue in 2021. Even subsectors such as wine and tobacco, which were negatively affected by the lockdowns in 2020, could expect a better year in 2021. He added sectors such as tourism and entertainment would continue to struggle for the foreseeable future until government managed to get mass vaccinations on track. The next story we look at is poor parasite management leads to drug resistance. According to the latest report from the Ruminant Veterinary Association of South Africa, Ruvasa, roundworm infestations, especially of wireworm, had been reported in all provinces, while incidents of resistance were reported in most. Coxidiosis infestations were reported in all provinces except Mpumalanga. Dr. Fafa Milan, Managing Director of Ruvasa, said ignorance and the irresponsible use of antiparasitic products were the main causes of failures in antiparasitic drugs. He said a fecal egg count reduction test needed to be carried out yearly to establish whether the dewormers used on the farm were still effective. Farmers also needed to establish which parasites were most prevalent in their areas and consult their veterinarians about the best treatment. Medicines needed to be given exactly according to instructions. And in other news, the Northern and Eastern Cape are on a brink of a humanitarian crisis due to drug conditions. According to Doug Stern, Agri-Eastern Cape president, many livestock, citrus and vegetable producers in the Eastern Cape were in dire straits. The financial reserves were depleted and flocks cut to the bare minimum, with countless farms being put up as collateral for bank loans. Stern says that even though an excellent citrus crop was being harvested at the moment, producers were extremely concerned about the production season starting in August. Without sufficient irrigation, production would be severely compromised, trees could be lost and hundreds of job opportunities put on the line. Farmers' cash flow was eroded long ago and they tried their best to survive from day to day. Many of them struggled to afford basic daily necessities and large numbers of workers have had to be laid off, said Stern. And that's it for this week. Remember to follow us and engage with us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly Essay. Until next time, stay safe and happy farming.